You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Are getting into the Word of God this morning. And if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, 1 through 11 is our text today. And if you've been with us the last several months, since January, we've been in a series titled The Miracles of Jesus. And it's a little bit different than we've done normally because normally we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through a book of the Bible, which is awesome. But from time to time, we do series where we kind of pick different stories. In this case, a different miracle of Jesus each week we highlight from the Gospels and we study it and look at it. And really, the purpose behind this series, I hope you've been blessed because I know I have. The purpose behind this series is to get like a first-hand reminder and window into the heart of God through the person of Jesus. And my heart for us as a church is that we wouldn't just be like, wow, Jesus is so cool. I mean, I want you to say that. I want you to get that. Like, wow, Jesus is incredible. It's unbelievable. But I hope and pray that it would connect to our own life. And that we would walk away possibly more emboldened in our faith. To be like, wow, if Jesus did that then, oh, then he can do that for me now. Because I think we have a hard time sometimes connecting our own life now to the gospel stories where we believe these things. Like, God, you're good. But that doesn't really apply to me. Right? It's hard for us to actually live out these truths. And so my hope and my heart in this series, the heart behind it, is really for us to not only get a window into the heart of God through the person of Jesus, but that we would be encouraged and we'd be spurred on and we would walk out these truths in our own lives. Uh, and so today, uh, we are going to do kind of a fun miracle. It's a family Sunday, so I won't go too long because there's kids and dogs and all the things in here. And we're hungry and there's the smell of food. And it's kind of a fun one, especially for you kids in here. I think you'll like this one. I got some pictures for you today too. But it's about Jesus and fishing. Jesus and fishing. So it's a story of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And it's a story about when he meets and he calls his first disciples— the first men that would follow him, uh, a lot of them were fishermen. And our story today is from Luke 5, and it's this miraculous story about Jesus, about a bunch of fish. And so let's go ahead and read Luke 5, 1 through 11, then we'll pray and get into it. It says this, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee— Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. 
Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm a, such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with them. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. For now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we have your word in front of us, that you've preserved it for us, that, that we, some 2,000 years later, halfway across the world, have it in our own language. And God, we believe that your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And we also believe that it's profitable for the man or woman of God to be adequately equipped for the work in front of us. That it's meant to teach us, meant to correct us, meant to rebuke us, meant to train us in righteousness. And so God, we don't think this is just some, some old book. This is your word that we're reading today. And this is a true historical narrative of what happened on the sea, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee some 2,000 years ago. And as distant, distant as that may be, we pray that you would speak it very, uh, that it would be really relatable to us, that Holy Spirit, you would minister to each of us how we need it to minister, be ministered to. God, each of us are in different places. Each of us are in different stages of our walks. We have different lives, but thank you that you're able to meet us right where we're at. Um, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So you may or may not have heard the story. I mean, obviously, a lot of these gospel stories we hear. Maybe we even teach it in Sunday school. Or if you grew up in church, you may have heard this. But if you can throw up the map here of the Sea of Galilee. So this is, it's kind of hard to see. But this is modern-day Israel. So that kind of sliver, that white sliver is modern-day Israel. Uh, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon are bordering it, and I'm going to have to walk over there. One second. I'm going to show you guys something on the map. I totally don't need a mic, but for recording's sake. So if you've been to Israel or if you ever get a chance to go, this is not a large piece of land at all. And uh, it was, you know, a day or two journey from Jerusalem to Galilee. But two-thirds of the ministry of Jesus was in or around the Sea of Galilee. And it's kind of deceptive, the name Sea of Galilee. It's a lake. It's a small lake, 7 by 12 miles. It's not that big. 
Um, it just looks like a lake, but they call it the Sea of Galilee. And two-thirds of Jesus' ministry was on that lake, on or around that lake. And if you hear the story today, what happens is, is Jesus begins obviously doing all these miracles. And he begins to teach the word of God. And word begins to spread, and people begin to come and follow Jesus from all around. And in this story today, he gets so crowded out on the shore that he literally looks out, and there's two empty boats, and he has Simon Peter get a boat. He gets in the boat. They probably go maybe 15 or so feet out, and he starts preaching from the boat just to give him a little distance from the crowd. That's what's happening. Context sake, though, is Simon Peter and these men of these boats, these were the first disciples. These were the first people that Jesus would call to follow him. I have another picture. So, this is for you kids in the room if you're listening to this story today. It's okay if you're not. But what happens is, is Jesus is in the boat with Simon Peter and the other disciples. There's two boats. There's the crowds on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And more or less, as Jesus is preaching, he performs this miracle, not only in front of the crowds, but it's mainly and purposeful for these fishermen. I really have just three points that I want to um, bring up, or I want us to glean from. And one, and if you're taking notes, Ben, I know you're taking notes. Um, I saw your pad earlier, is God is bigger than our circumstances. This is what I want to try to hit home today. So in our story today, there's fishermen by trade. That is what they do for a vocation. Their fathers had done this. Their grandfathers have done this on the Sea of Galilee. They're really good at what they do. They make a living at it. And what happens is, is that the whole night long, they've been trying to fish, and they've gotten nothing. This happens a lot in fishing. You hope it doesn't, but a lot of times, you just don't catch something. You try hard. Even if you're an experienced fisherman, just sometimes it doesn't happen. So even when Jesus is in the boat, and he's teaching the crowds, and he turns to the fishermen, and he, and he says, lower your nets. Let's go out to deeper water and lower your nets. Again, these are experienced fishermen, and they're kind of kind, but they're like, hey, Jesus, we just tried this all night long. That's a nice way of saying, like, hey, Jesus, you're not a fisherman, I am. We've been out here all night, and we're really good at what we do. And we know these waters. Our fathers knew these waters. Our grandfathers knew these waters. There's no fish biting. This is a waste of time. But what happens? <laughs> what happens? I mean, it's a very vivid story where so many fish are caught by these nets that not only does one boat get filled, but a second boat is needed for all the fish. And it says the boats are so heavy with fish that they're almost sinking. So if you're these fishermen, you honestly are blown away because you're like, this should not be happening. We spent the whole night doing this. There's no fish in the waters. And again, not only was this the vocation, but this was their money. This was their livelihood. This was food. This was sustenance. I mean, there was a lot to just these fish. There was a lot to what was happening right now. And if you notice, 
Peter is so in awe that he, 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 he says, he, he gets on his knees in front of the Lord. He like bows in front of the Lord and says, Lord, like I'm a sinful man. And I think what he's meaning there is he's like, God, you are so much bigger and better than I could even imagine that I'm just humbling myself before you. And Jesus doesn't even, he says, hey, don't worry about that, man. Like, like, I'm trying to prove you a point right now. But Jesus, I mean, Peter is so in awe of what's happening. He's so humbled at what's happening because he's seen that this person, Jesus, the Son of God, is bigger than the circumstances that was in front of these fishermen. It was bigger. And I think we see that throughout Scripture. That Jesus, God the Father, lives outside of time and space and our own limitations. Because we might not be fishermen in the same way, we might have not had the same thing happen, but so many times, I think we believe that God is bigger than our circumstances. But when it really plays out in our vocation, with our money, or with our sustenance, we get so caught up with the circumstance that we're like these fishermen that we say, well, it can't happen. There's no fish. So I, I want to try to make a connection between what happened there in the water to our own lives today. And to kind of challenge us with a few questions, right? To challenge us with these, like, how often do we limit God in our own circumstances? Because again, God was telling them, oh no, I'll take care of you. I'll provide these fish. And they're like, we've tried. God, we've tried and it can't happen. And without saying it, they say, God, and we know better than you. And if I'm honest, I think there's so many times, even in my own life, that I maybe, you know, I pray about something, but then all of a sudden, I don't see it happen, and I see there's a bunch of limitations why that can't happen in life, and all of a sudden I go, well, maybe not meant to be. And I think the challenge today would be like, hold on, before you give up on that thing or that prayer or whatever's happening with your job or your money situation or whatever it is, let's remember that God actually owns the cattle on the thousand hills. It's all his anyway. In a moment, he could change your situation. Like for these guys, they were in like kind of a bad spot. They were fishing. This was their livelihood. They caught nothing. But God was bigger than their circumstances. The second thing is, and this is true of God's character and true of our story today, is that God is able to provide all that we need. God is able to provide for us. And again, we live in such an individualistic, pull your bootstraps up, work hard, like survive type of culture. That I think trusting God for provision becomes second, third, or fourth kind of on our list, if we're honest, right? Because sometimes, right, God is so like ethereal and we can't really see him all the time. And we know he can provide, but then all of a sudden when the rubber meets the road, we just try to 
just provide everything on our own. And even those of us that have been walking with the Lord for decades, we know this to be true. It's one thing to believe that God can provide, but it's another thing to trust him that he can provide when it feels like, oh no, I might not have enough here. And we see in the story today, not only does God provide for the fishermen, but I'm sure he provided enough fish for the whole crowds. And we see this throughout Scripture, that God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, the provider. That's a part of his character. Just like he's Jehovah Rapha, the God, the healer. Like, that's a part of his character. That's a part of who he is. God provides for his people. God does not leave his people hanging. And even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would clearly say, like, if I feed the birds of the air and I clothe the lilies of the field, how much more will I provide for you? And what Jesus was doing on the Sermon on the Mount, he was connecting it to the creation story. He said that if God created everything, the plants and the animals, but he's created humanity, man and woman, in his image. How much more, if he provides for all of creation, will he provide for those that he made in his own image? What we see in our story today is another example. Like if you were going to go through scripture, you would see over and over and over how God miraculously provides for his people when kind of all hope is lost. I don't want to take Cessia's sermon too much because she's going to be teaching on this in a few weeks. Jesus feeding the 5,000. But over and over we see this concept that God is a provider. God is a giver. God is generous in his giving to his people and he doesn't let his people go without. Not only is God bigger than our circumstances when we feel like there's just no hope left, but God is able to provide when we feel like we're lacking. Right? When we're lacking, Paul would say to the to Corinthian church, in our weakness, God's strength is actually perfected. When we're weak, he's actually made strong. God is able to provide all we need. So the challenge I have for us, or I guess the question to challenge our life is, do we, do we believe that? Do we believe that God cares about you enough to provide your every need? I know that that can be hard depending on where you're at in life right now. Hawaii is not cheap. <laughs> the world is not inexpensive. Like, it's sometimes you're in seasons where it's like, oh man, I don't know how this is all going to work. In those moments of lack or abundance, whatever it is, wherever you're at and wherever you will be, do you trust that God is your ultimate provider and that you can trust him to provide everything you need? Not only do we believe that intellectually, but do you believe that when you look at your bank account? You know it right now. I know it, mine right now. Do we trust that God's going to provide? What about that job you're in? Or a job you don't have? Or a job you're looking for? Do you trust and do you believe that God is going to provide 
the right space and job for you right now. Again, not only intellectually, but, but my hope is, is that we would walk that out daily. When anxiety, when worry, because we all do this. We all, we all go, oh man, I, I'm getting so stressed and worried. It's not going to work out or what's going to happen. In those moments, do we, I want to pause. I want us to get to the place, all of us, me included, where we go, you know what? On paper, in the world's eyes, this doesn't look good. But God, you're bigger than our circumstances, and you can provide even when it feels like all hope is lost. That's what this story is saying today. These were experts at their jobs. They knew these waters. They knew what they were doing. Nothing was coming. In and of their own strength, they were failing. But when God stepped in, what did he do? He provided more than they can hope or imagine. And that's the last point. God, do we trust in God's strength? Or our own. God's strength and not our own. <laughs> to the day that you see Jesus face to face, you and I see Jesus face to face, this will be something daily that we'll need to practice. Especially those of you that are good at stuff. You've been gifted and maybe you're successful or maybe you're just really capable. You're strong. This is going to be extra hard for you in this room that are like the CEOs, the bosses, the go-getters, because you can do a lot. God has gifted you in a lot of ways. But we can get into trouble because then all of a sudden we can just go, well, I can do this. I can do that. I can get along. I can survive. I can, I can do this. What happens if we rely too much on our own strength is we don't need God anymore. We're not trusting God. We're not asking God. We're not relying on God, right? But throughout Scripture, we see that not only are we not supposed to do life on our own, we're not even built for it. Like, we're not even made for it. Like, it's against our design, actually, to do life on our own strength. And maybe, maybe that'll help you understand this, that Actually putting ourselves under God's control, that he's in control and we're not, that he's God and we're not, that's actually like where we're supposed to live. That's the sweet spot. Hey, God, thank you for the giftings that you've given me. Thank you for the resources you've given me. But everything is a gift from you, and I submit everything I have to you, and I can't do any of this apart from your strength. If you guys practice either reading or prayer in the morning, I would suggest highly adding that posture of prayer to your morning prayers. Meaning if you could wake up before you, like don't check the phone. I mean, don't check the phone. Like don't, don't get into the day. It, maybe whether it's taking a shower, brushing your teeth, whatever it is, the first thing you do, if you just say, God, I cannot do this day without you. I submit this day to you. I want this to be yours, not on my own strength, but on your strength. Use me today. I'm telling you, it'll change you just to have that little posture of dependency. It'll change your day, because otherwise, what happens? Dude, I don't know about you, but the mornings are early. Kids and getting ready for the day and school drop-offs and then work and then afternoon activities and work and dinner and maybe some 
whatever bedtime routine, and then the days start over and over and over, and you're just trying to get by, as you know, and all of a sudden you can get into a real bad rhythm of, I'm doing everything on my own strength. I'm just living life, really, it feels like apart from God, except Sunday mornings, which is awesome, cool, and then I try to, like, adapt. My heart for us today would be to take these... I mean, all of them, but to be challenged to walk in them daily this week. So the question I want to challenge us on this third point is, what is, if you were going to ask this question to yourself, what is your primary operating system? Is it, hey, I'm going to rely on my own strength until I can't figure out the problem, then I'm going to ask God? Or is it, God, I trust you and I'm going to rely on you first and foremost, and then go about my day. Because it's, it's very different. And I think a lot of us live in that, that mode where we're like, we go to God last if we can't figure it out. I, I don't, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip. I'm just trying to like be honest that I do that too. I think it's real easy to just try to get through, and then if it doesn't work, then we'll go to prayer. And my challenge to us and my exhortation to us this morning is flip, flip the script. Trust it. Rely on God. Depend on God. Pray to God. And then, then let's go. Don't come to God like for the last resort. Come to him for the first, if that makes sense. So as way of application, just a few more questions, a few more kind of um, things that we can apply this this week is my first question would be is do we believe these things about God? Do we, do we believe these things? Like do we believe that God is bigger than our circumstances? Do we believe that God is able to provide for us? Do we believe that God's strength is better than our own? And I want us to just think about that for a second, because we've got to start there. If we have trouble even believing that this is true about God, then we've got to start there. My prayer and my hope would be not only from the stories we read in Scripture, but that the Holy Spirit at work in your own life, that over time you would be able to testify that these are so true. I think for those of us that have been Christian for more than one day, can look back. If we actually paused and we took time to think about our life or fellow Christians, we would say, oh man, I have seen God come through despite circumstances over and over. I've seen God provide when I was destitute. And I can testify that it is no good to rely on my own strength, but to rely on God's. After we believe in these things, then my question would be is do we live these out I know for me that I intellectually I can go yes I believe these things I absolutely do but I am just like you I am human as well even though I'm a pastor I am human as well and so life tests you we all have trials we all have tribulations we all have hardship we all have things that happen in life and we get tested. Our faith is tested. Again, and it's usually with vocation. It's with money. It's with responsibilities. It's with relationships. 
Each of us have different lives, but we all have the same stuff that goes on. My challenge, my prayer challenge to you is maybe something to think about this week is do we live these things out daily? And if I was to be so bold to ask your spouse or your best friend, would people say this about you? Like your confidant. If I could talk to your confidant, right, and say, hey, does Riz actually do this? I know this gets like even deeper, but what would they say? What would they say? Because again, Christianity isn't just about a set of ideas, and it just, just, just isn't about Sunday mornings. Sorry to burst the bubble. Christianity is about following Jesus and being shaped into the image of his life. Sundays is a big part of that. These truths that we're talking about is a big part of that. But if the truths that we believe in never impact our life and never change our life, then I think we're missing it. And if you didn't know by now, Christianity is, a, is, a, is not an event. It's a process. We're all works in progress. None of us are a finished product. None of us have achieved it. This is a lifelong attempt to follow Jesus and to grow in Jesus. That's why this message is not one of like condemnation or guilt, because all of us, I'm sure, fall, have fallen short, myself included. But that doesn't mean we need to wallow in that. It means, oh, okay, I have room to grow. My God loves me, and he cares about me, and he wants me to live into this. So this is an opportunity for me to grow. So the reason why we have second set of worship is like to take time to respond to what God has spoken to us. And so if you're anything like me, what I usually do, because there's kind of a lot of information and there's a lot of challenge to it, I probably take this first song just to maybe journal, maybe soak it in, maybe just dwell upon this and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what are you trying to speak to me? Where do you want me to press in? What part of this do you want me to, to kind of to grow in? I want to encourage you to do that, whether it's on the carpets up here, at your tables, to really just like meditate on this. And then as worship goes on, let's continue to press in and to exalt the Lord and to dwell upon the Lord and ask the Lord for us to grow in these things. Sound good? And then we'll pray and potluck and board games. Sound good? All right, let's pray and ask the Lord to dig these truths deep down and for us to live them out. <clears throat> God, we thank you that even in a story as simple of, as fishing, there can be such rich, vivid, vivid truths that we find. And Lord, this story, like so many other stories, Give us insight into your heart towards us and your character. And Lord, as a people, we need uh, your help to grow in these areas, Lord. We, we don't admit that we have it all together. We don't admit that 
that we always, you know, do the right thing and trust you. And so, Lord, not, on, not only do we, we know you have a lot of grace, God, you forgive us where we haven't trusted you. Like, you're so good to, to put the past in the past. But thank you, Lord, that you love us enough that you want us to grow. God, thank you that you care about us enough that you, you want us to become more like you and live into more of the design that you've created us to live into. So Holy Spirit, when it comes to you being bigger than circumstances or you being able to provide or us trusting in your strength rather than our own, these big lofty ideas, I pray that you would help us to drill them down and live them out this week. We pray a blessing on these next few worship songs. We pray for, we would worship you for who you are and what you've done for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.